Hello and welcome to the Learning Mate podcast, where we speak to subject matter experts in the fields of education, education technology, and workforce development to learn more about advances and issues in the industry from cradle to career. I'm your host, Keith Chandler. And on this episode, we are discussing creating a culturally relevant and responsive curriculum in learning environments. And to begin that conversation, I'd like to introduce today's subject matter expert in DEI, Angela Van. Now, Angela is a fourth-generation educator whose personal and professional approach to education is accomplished by seeing through the lens of all learners and understanding the unique accessibility needs to educational content. Uh, Angela achieved her Bachelor in Arts of Sociology from Morgan State University and also a Master of Science in Special Education from McDaniel College in Maryland. Most recently, she obtained a Certificate in School Management from Harvard University and a Certificate in Diversity and Inclusion from Cornell University. Angela began her career as a special educator teaching students in the classroom while also working to develop and modify instructional materials for students with learning and emotional disabilities. Beyond public schools, her resume has extensive background in non-public, virtual, and charter school special education, working in leadership, strategic planning, project management, ed tech, and content development all with a focus on equity, inclusion, and belonging. Angela's trusted work as a thought leader led her to a fellowship with the U.S. Department of Education Office of Educational Technology, where she served as a subject matter expert on special ed, DEI, and toolkit resource development under both Obama and Trump administrations. Today, Angela works as a digital education and leadership strategist and serves as the Director of Learning Design for Learning Mate, specializing in DEI. Hi, Angela, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. To begin today, let's start by defining what is uh, culturally responsive teaching and where does it come from? Uh, so culturally responsive teaching is an asset-based pedagogy, and um, it's designed to incorporate students' kind of lived experiences, their customs, characteristics, and their perspectives into kind of classroom uh, instruction. So Geneva Gay um, kind of identified or coined this phrase um, or this practice in about 2000. And what we know is that when students see themselves and their communities um, as an integral part of like the school community, their lessons, their activities, it increases their interests and their engagement and therefore their learning. Um, so they, they make connections between, again, those lived experiences in their culture um, and apply it to new concepts in learning. So it, it really increases opportunities for discourse and critical thinking and taking learning to a new level. Now, what is the difference between culturally responsive and culturally relevant curriculum? Is there a difference between the two? So culturally responsive teaching is kind of an extension of the culturally relevant pedagogy um, that was introduced in the 1990s by uh, Gloria Latson Billings. So with this, um, when you're thinking of culturally relevant pedagogy, which it's all about student learning and prioritizing the way students access information um, and problem solve. So you're also thinking about 
creating an environment where students' culture is appreciated and incorporated into the content so they see their culture, but they're also learning about the cultures of, of other students as well. So it's creating that growth and it's creating the opportunities to analyze and problem solve around real life and real world perspectives and situations. Um, so it just kind of takes, again, learning to another level. Almost as if incorporating like social studies into the the very fabric of the curriculum that exists. Is that sort of a way to look at it? Oh, that's that's interesting. When you think of social studies as people and their communities and 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 their culture and their perspectives, because um, I would say different perspectives weren't always incorporated into content. So this is really being very intentional about bringing in those different perspectives and experiences um, into content development. What are some intentional ways that DEI is incorporated into curriculum? One of the key words that you used is being very intentional mm. and, and thinking about this from the perspective of the supports for educators as well as the activities for learners or students, and then the opportunities for discourse and to have discussions and for students' voices to be heard and to be able to ask critical questions about society and diverse cultures um, and the impact that it has on, on the world. So often people think about other cultures, other communities, as something other, and it only impacts those groups. So when we do this um, with intentionality, it gives opportunities for students to see the interconnectedness and the, the commonalities as well as the differences. So again, creating those opportunities for discourse um, and to have those conversations so students can share their understanding of content through kind of their lived experiences when you give examples. But in order to do that, we also need to have authentic cultural details in content so that we're creating that feeling of belonging. Learners see themselves and then they're actually able to expand on their understanding and the understanding of other students. So when we talk about having authentic cultural details present, it creates, we want to make sure that it's accurate, but it's also something that's affirming. So it, it's a positive reflection of, of different groups. Um, so whether it's food or clothing or rituals or entertainment, it's done in a very um, authentic and affirming way. One of the things that we do with um, content development, when you're thinking about curriculum and educational experiences it's creating opportunities for the teachers to guide students in, in essence or create opportunities for them to make real world connections um, through their interests, their, their community, their culture and their lived experiences. Um, and that's something that we have to do very intentionally because we are, as educators, often not only creatures of habit, but we often kind of stay in our box, our comfort zone. Um, because we don't want to make mistakes. 
So in order to be intentional with content development, we have to create those supports for educators and those opportunities for them to make those real world connections for uh, learners, for students, um, but they don't feel like they're insulting anyone or or making any mistakes or um, unintentionally um, presenting um, reinforcing stereotypes or, or bias or insensitivities. And then we also want to make sure that the content's relevant and relatable to students. You and I were chatting recently, and we have this interesting uh, thing in common where the first vehicle that we both drove was a tractor. So we both grew up around rural environments. Um, how do you think that has shaped your uh, perspective and view on accessibility in DEI? So I grew up in the suburbs, and when you look at my family, one side is definitely more rural um, with obviously farming and tractors, and the other side, uh, more suburban and urban. And it really shed light on the commonalities and differences of people and exposure and experiences and me wanting to always make sure that everyone is included, that everyone's voice is heard and everyone has access to kind of the same materials. So that's that's where it really started because I recognized that there are significant differences in accessibility. Um, so in a rural area, you may have smaller schools and not admit as many teachers, therefore not as many subject areas and content areas can be covered. So it's one of the things that also really excites me about the ed tech space and being able to create opportunities for learners to be exposed to different content, different subject areas that they might not have um, been exposed to, especially in the past when we didn't have this ed tech space and the ability to access content online. In the work that you're doing now at Learning Mate, where do you even begin to start to create culturally uh, responsive and relevant curriculum? So we have multiple writing guidelines and checklists and um, that are incorporated into content development. And when we build teams and train teams to author content, we bring together subject matter experts based on the needs of a client. We will say these are specific skills or topics that need to be incorporated into the content. So we train up teams to do that. And then our editing and quality assurance teams then have checklists to ensure that it is incorporated into the content and that it's incorporated in a intentional and authentic way. So it doesn't come across as an add-on. Um, and that's where we have to become very intentional in our work and 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 bring together teams with different voices and different perspectives um, and different respect and understanding of all of the communities out there because no one's going to know everything about everyone. And, and that's why we build these teams that bring together different voices and perspectives. And then what is the next step for the content itself? We get feedback to see how it is is perceived, how it is accepted, um, and the impact on learning so that we can say, this is a good fit. This is something that we don't need to continue to incorporate. The one thing that is amazing about the ed tech space 
is that we can evaluate content and make changes more rapidly than traditional print-based content. So it is really responsive to the teachers and learners and communities that um, access this content. Um, earlier this year, uh, you presented at the Digital Learning Annual Conference, also known as DLAC. Uh, what was the topic of your presentation and what were some of those learning objectives? Ah, the, the topic of the presentation was no education without representation. So designing an equitable and inclusive digital curriculum for the modern learner. And what we really focused on was what equity and inclusion looks like. So it was an interactive session. So getting feedback from all of the participants, but then also looking at how do we build equitable and inclusive content in a very intentional way. So we utilized our equity and inclusion scorecard and provided opportunities for teams, kind of made it a working session to look at content and rate that content and see areas for improvement, um, things that teams did well. So what was done really well in the curriculum and then other areas where it could be improved. And it really opened the door for conversations around the different needs between we had participants that came from very rural areas, very um, homogeneous areas where teams weren't diverse at all and didn't necessarily understand the need to have diverse content because all of the students in their area were very um, hom homogeneous. So that was part of the conversation. And looking at the benefits of allowing learners to explore different communities and people and different perceptions um, and perspectives, how that increases critical thinking and how that's beneficial to all learners. It was really exciting. And when you when you just think about a scorecard, and you're rating content, you think, okay, you're just checking off boxes. But what we've found is that when you're highlighting content and you're thinking about how to very intentionally change it, it then changes perspectives on how you build teams, on how you write content, how you review it, what is in, included. And those are kind of some of the unexpected benefits of utilizing a scorecard or a rubric. And, and that came out of those discussions during the conference and with, with other organizations um, that have used our scorecards. So that's really exciting because you're, you're just thinking about the different focus areas. And we're, we're looking at access and equity, diversity, inclusion, and representation, bias and stereotypes, cultural relevance and responsiveness, and plain language. Those are kind of those key areas. And people talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but don't necessarily always understand or recognize the components that make something equitable, inclusive, diverse, something that promotes belonging and understanding and awareness of, of diverse groups. So that's one of the reasons why we focus on those five key areas. And during the conference, it was 
it, it's always just refreshing um, and exciting when people say, oh, wait, I hadn't considered that. We're doing this very well, but we weren't even thinking about this area. If we're thinking about equity for all and inclusion for all, that's everyone. So all different types of learners. And I think my background in special education always makes me think about all different types of learners. And then again, going back to my personal experience with suburban, urban, and rural communities and my family, it's just like, no, that's all. So we need to make sure that when we're thinking about equity and inclusion, it's showcasing so many different communities and the impact on different communities and the contributions of different communities of, of people, where they come from, their perspectives and how, and the commonalities. And that is when we do that, it creates those opportunities for excitement, engagement, surprise, and then interest in exploring something even more, something that learners may not have ever considered, and even and even educators. That actually brings me to my last question. Uh, before I do ask, I want to mention that you did reference the Equity and Inclusion Scorecard. An abbreviated version of that scorecard can be found on our website. That's learningmate.com slash DEI. Once again, that is learningmate.com slash DEI. That is a 100% free resource for anyone that is looking to measure their equity and inclusion curriculum. Um, Angela, last question for you. As a subject matter expert in DEI, what is one book or something along those lines that you would recommend to me as a lifelong learner? Oh, that's a great question. So one book that comes to mind is it's the little book of restorative justice in education. And it's a rather small book. And it stands out to me, not from the perspective of restorative justice in education, but really thinking about equity and inclusion. So there are a lot of reflective components within the book and examples for thinking about equity and inclusion for adults and children. Um, but the, the things that really stand out to me are looking at respect, dignity, and mutual concern. And there were three questions that I kind of internalized and and use in all of my work. And the questions were, am I honoring? Am I measuring? And what message am I sending? So without kind of diving into that, because that can be a whole nother conversation, just thinking about how we respect others, how we view ourselves and others. And that's one of the reasons why the this book stands out to me as just kind of a great starting point when you're thinking about equity and inclusion from a broad standpoint. Now, when you think about all of the different components that go into equity and inclusion, you know, we talked about all of the different communities and it, it's not just black and white. Um, so all of the different communities and we're thinking about accessibility and AI and the use of technology, I look at this as an opportunity to say, you know, I don't just read books. I follow different communities to hear what their needs are, big and small, and what they're talking about 
and what they're reading or what they're publishing, blog posts or white papers or research papers, and then go down the rabbit hole of finding books that cover those specific areas. And as we kind of go through this process and we kind of fine tune our future conversations, then I could say for this topic, these are the books that I recommend. But when you think about high level overview about equity and inclusion, um, I really like the little book of restorative justice in education because it really helps us to think about the lens through which we look at situations based on our personal experiences and then thinking about others. And are we honoring others? Are we creating things so that we're measuring them against ourselves and what we think they should be or what we think they should be doing? And again, what message am I sending? So to me, those are key components of DEI and supporting kind of any DEI initiative. So that's the book I'll start with. And then as we continue these conversations, I'll identify specific books that cover different topics that we we dive into. Thank you, Angela, for that recommendation. Very much looking forward to continuing the conversation. The name of that recommendation, once again, is The Little Book of Restorative Justice, and also, once again, the abbreviated version of the Learning Mate Equity and Inclusion Scorecard can be found at learningmate.com DEI, or you can go to our podcast website that we recently launched. That's learningmate.com slash podcast. There you will find our library of episodes, live links to all of the resources we reference during our episodes, and a little questionnaire. If by chance you would like to be a guest on our show or have an idea for a topic, please feel free to start the conversation. The Learning Mate Podcast is a production of Learning Mate Solutions Incorporated. Thank you once again to our guest today, Angela Van. I am your host, Keith Chandler. Until next time, thank you for listening.